Deep Production. Yes! Welcome back to Go Deep the Podcast, a member of Go Deep Productions, where we have an opinion like we have a clue. Thank you for coming back. And here's your host, John Nothing Doe. You know, I don't know what you're dealing with, but as far as I'm concerned, every day is a beautiful day. And if you knew the guest I had on, you would feel the same way. This is a part two. We have Judith Waggle on the line. How are you, Judith? I'm really good considering, John. <laughs> well, yes, considering. So we were talking off the air. And just in case you guys forgot, Judith here is a paralegal. She does a lot of paperwork and mediation for people that are separating or divorcing. And uh, she has to take on a lot. So that, that's kind of the first thing I want to get it back into before we get into this grocery list again. What is it like for you at the end of the day when you've listened to couple A, B, and C all pissing and moaning? That's really got to polarize you to a certain extent. It drains you. That's what it really does. It doesn't polarize. It drains. So depending on the tone and the anger level, because some people have not dealt with their anger and their hurt before they file for divorce. So if I'm dealing with couples that are still very angry, have not grieved, have not processed, and I mean, ultimately have not forgiven each other, then it takes so much out of you to talk to them, so much out of a mediator to talk to them because you're walking on eggshells. These really are strangers to you. You don't know where their trigger points are unless you've talked to them a while. And you will always be blamed. There is no question the mediator is in the line of fire. So you have to be tough skinned to a certain extent to be a divorce mediator. You also have to be sensitive. It's a really tough combination to sound sensitive, uh, to sound caring. And, and I think all of us are caring. I'll speak for the batch of divorce mediators. I think we're all very caring people or we wouldn't be in this business. But there's always a point where you kind of have to cut off the emotions and the result of the decision making for the people you're working with. It's their decision making that led them to my office. So it was decision making probably done in earnest to marry each other. And then something happens, you become unhappy, you decide we're better off not being married. But that's when the real work starts. How do you bounce back from that big life change? Well, you bounce back by grieving. You bounce back by going to therapy, developing a strong sense of self-awareness so that you can, you can look at what your own level of responsibility was in the relationship, even if it was just not seeing the warning signs, if there were warning signs. You know, a lot of us, we ignore warning signs when we get into different relationships, don't we? And it, they don't even have to be personal, intimate. It could be the job you take, the friend you hook up with. I, you know, it's, so um, we have to develop that level of self-awareness so that we can be responsible for what we've done. If that's not happening, that's a problem. But then I think John, we talked about before, if we didn't, we can go into it more later when appropriate, uh, the seven stages of divorce grief. Yes, we did, really we did have, cover that. 
Yeah. So if you haven't gone through most of those, you're going to be raw. And there's not a lot of good decision making you can do in a mediation if you're raw. Because these are big decisions. It's about money. It's about kids, you know. So like any good therapist, you, you have to shut it off. But honestly, John, nobody's good at it. I don't know anybody who's good at it. We all lose sleep. We all wake up at two and three in the morning, concerned, worried. Do we say the right thing? What's going to happen the next day? How do these people think or feel? Internalizing it is an ongoing um, challenge. Absolutely. It is. You were saying something that was very funny um, before we move back to the grocery list um, about angry people. <laughs> I'd love you to share that if you wouldn't mind. Oh God, it, you know, humor and comedy, it, it, it is, they are my best friends and I need to use them to get me out of, you know, feeling horrible if I have some clients who are um, unsettled. And I just did a podcast interview. That, I mean, not an interview. I just did a podcast episode myself of the amicable divorce expert. And I talked, the title was don't mediate angry because in the last two weeks I've had very angry mediations and nothing really went well because you can't do any work when you're angry. I'm kind of used to that in the first mediation, you know, you get everything out on the table, then you come back and it's a little better. You know, people are calmer. But in the don't mediate angry, I was thinking about that. And on my way to work, I said, so I wanted to listen to Brene Brown because she's great. I love her when she speaks. But all of a sudden, Eminem came up on the feed. And Eminem is one of the angriest, wealthiest people I know of. And so I thought, you know, if Eminem ever called me to mediate, I don't think I could mediate for him unless he stopped being angry. <laughs> and then I, and I talked about this in the podcast episode, just to add a little dose of humor. And I just said, yes, if Eminem called me and said, hey, Jude, I need a mediator. I got married. It wasn't the right decision. Can you mediate for me? I would say, well, you have to go through the seven stages of divorce grief then. Because you're way too angry for me to mediate to you. The only thing you. I, I don't of, care how much money. <laughs> the only thing I can think of him saying is dropping the F bomb in in the most famous way he always does. <laughs> oh, and, and they do. I mean, people curse in mediations. I actually don't mind it. I, I, I don't know why. I don't mind it. Um it's wrong. But if it gets truly offensive. It's yeah, if it offends the other person, I don't want to do it. But isn't that a funny thought to have Eminem sitting at your mediation table and like, mm-hmm. calm down, M. Honestly, I can I can imagine he, he would bite and he'd be biting his lip, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I keep I keep thinking, God, if I were that wealthy, I'd be really happy, wouldn't you? I definitely no. would not be angry. It's hard. It's it's easier to wipe your tears with money than it is broke. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I also said this in my in, in my podcast episode. I said, look, the, listening to Brene Brown, anger is fueled by fear and fear is fueled by shame and hurt. And so when you look at how Eminem grew up, everybody knows they watched Eight Mile, right? Yep. And he sings about it. The trailer park, his mother, alcoholic. Then he got into a bad marriage. I think he had a tough time with his daughter, probably their friends now, something like that. But if you really look at that, the way we 
have been brought up, the conditions we've lived under, the relationships we have with our family, that forms us for the future. And I don't think he's ever forgiven that or worked through that, even though he's made art out of that, right? Yeah. It could be like an outlet, I think, for him, like the way for him to kind of push through it in a sense, right? Yeah. Maybe not necessarily yeah, I mean, deal with it, but yeah, it's just, it's a more positive way of dealing with anger, but you know, going back to Brene Brown, shame, vulnerability, hurt. Yeah. This, this all is underneath anger. And then let's never forget high conflict personalities and personality disorders. I mean, that's a huge part of why people get divorced, because they don't understand that they are with somebody who has a high conflict personality. What is a high conflict personality? How does it show itself? What is a narcissist? How does that show itself? We're so easily fooled. Yep. Uh, Because we're not used to looking for certain things. And then we get into the marriage and everybody's guard is down. You're not on your best behavior anymore because you're not courting each other. And then you become who you really are. Enough said. That's a perfect way to put it. And that's going to help us open up where we left off. So where we left off there, Judith was at number five of this grocery list that you were so grateful to share with me and the listeners that are going to be listening to this. And number five was the importance of communication skills to lower the tension of conflict. There is a language to conflict. There is conflict communication. So the granddaddy, the OG of conflict communication is a gentleman named Bill Eddy, E-D-D-Y. You know him, right? You know of him? You know, it's funny. Um, I'm going to cut you off there because the last time you mentioned it in part one of this podcast, I took it upon myself to then listen to his book. And I actually listened to two of them now. And I got to tell you, like, it gave me the school vibes in terms of, like, he's very, like, straight to the point And, like, he talks about all these different situations in almost like a very monotone tone. But he does it so well that it's a, it would be hard for you not to understand the brief, informative, firm, firm and friendly. Yeah, he's kind of hypnotic when he talks because he is so chill. He is so low-key, but he's also brilliant. And that formula is so simple. So if somebody is speaking to you in an untoward way, you haven't, maybe you're not good communicators just to start with when you're trying to communicate feelings and now you're getting divorced and you're in a mediation. You don't have skills. So what I try and do with people in a mediation is say, May I rephrase this for you? Because it's the way you, it's the words we choose and the tone of voice we use in conflict that sets us up to be heard by the other party, which is what we need. We need to be heard and understood. And if we don't blame, if we keep it brief, informative, friendly, just state how we think, then the other person will be open to us. So did I give the example in our first discussion about a married couple going to a piano recital? You did, but I'd love it if you would do it once more. I mean, it's like the perfect example, to be honest with you. 
Okay, so there's a married couple, soon to be divorced, because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're having issues. But it's a married couple. They have two small children, ages five and three. It's a Sunday. It's time for the five-year-old's piano recital in the afternoon. So there's like a one o'clock rehearsal and a three o'clock recital. Both parents have been to the woman's house, who's the piano teacher. So both parents know where it is. And like any modern family, there are two cars, you know, so both parents are independent. It's now time to leave for the rehearsal. Mom and the two children are in the car. Dad is not. The car is outside in the driveway waiting for dad to get in it. Mom calls up to dad on the cell phone. Um, We're out here in the car. Come on down. We're ready to go. Dad says, I'll be down in 20 minutes. I have to jump in the shower. So mom has a choice. Mom can either say, what are you talking about? We knew you had to, we, we knew we had to leave at this time. We're going to be late and upset the kids, right? Especially the little girl that's going to have the recital. Or mom can use Biff. And in this example, mom uses Biff. So mom says calmly, that's okay, honey. Go ahead and take a shower. We can't wait 20 minutes or we'll be late. But you know where the recital is. You've been there. I'll take this car. We look forward to seeing you. Done. No discussion. Drives away. That's Biff. Brief, informative, friendly, and firm. It's a perfect That's example. the language. Yes, isn't it? Because we all run into that. I mean, even with our friends, our family, it doesn't even have to be, you know, a divorcing couple. But we all have people in our lives that just are not on the same page. Um, maybe a narcissist, maybe somebody who likes to control the situation or just doesn't look at time, doesn't value time the same way and doesn't understand that other people who like to be on time get upset. So you, you just you just have to know your audience, so to speak, when you're in conflict and speak in a way that does not create more conflict minimizes the conflict, and now you're in control. So it went from a seemingly out of control, mom out of control, dad controlling time to, no, mom controlled time, two cars, we can get there. It's only, it's only down the street, you know what I mean? Piano, piano teacher's house, perfect way to use Biff. And like, it was funny because when I was listening to that book, he goes into further discussions about Biff, whether you you're using it you know, in the workplace, um, he did discuss, obviously, amicable divorces, even like friends and stuff. So I, I found that to be very helpful. And I think the average person could definitely use that brush up from from Bill Eddie himself, because it's just so much value in that book. And I think a lot of people, if we took the time to read that book and follow the instructions, we would have a lot less conflict where it wasn't necessary. I know. And you know how people can start practicing politics. Oh man, that's a whole oh other conversation. Oh my God, you could light a match to our personalities. Everybody, we all get very invested. But, and I was in Best Buy the other day, yeah, waiting for my turn at the Geek Squad table, and I'm sitting next to a gentleman, a vet, um, 83 years old. He was a veteran, and we were talking, and it started going into politics, and I'm like. Judy, hold it together. Hold it together. Be calm. You don't know what you're going to hear coming out of his mouth. Yep. And, you know, I wish, because I'm not, I have to work at this. 
I wish I was the type of personality that never responded immediately. I, I mean, I, I love people who just absorb. Just, I'm not that person. I have to work at it. I really do. We all have something to work at for sure. But, you know, when I was growing up, it was very it was very well known. There's two things we don't talk about at functions, at school, or anything of that sort. And that's family and religion because there's always going to be someone that's going to take it very aggressively and it's going to turn into something it doesn't need to. So it's one of those easy things to avoid. You know, you're so right. In both religion and politics, we have no control. I mean, we vote, but, you know, depending on what state you're in, we really don't have control. And unless we're invited to those behind-the-scenes meetings where real power gets together, we don't really know what we're being told. And so, But we argue as if we do. We listen to our news shows as if they were the truth. Whatever ones we listen to, that's it. And I, I sit on the side of, they're all horrible. All of them, you know, don't don't give us all the information. And then for religion, it's like, who controls religion, for heaven's sake? What are we fighting over? We're fighting over what happens to us after we die. Who knows what happens? That's a very true point. Why are we fighting? We have no clue what happens after we die if we've never died before. And thankfully, I don't, if I did die and have been reincarnated, I kind of don't want to remember how it happened. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like going for an operation. Like maybe they got to like do heart surgery and you know, they got to crack your ribs open. Is that something you're looking forward to? Cause I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> I know. I, I agree. But conflict communication is something we all would be better served to know because we all get into conflict. So, so here's another situation we all get into customer service call. Oh, Jesus. I'll be nice. We about have this. a product. <laughs> I know we have a product that doesn't work. So what are you going to do? You finally, eventually, get somebody on the phone. You're either dealing with the company where somebody actually answers after three prompts, or you have to sit online. You have to go through all. Anyway, we eventually get to the human being we're talking to. We could either unload and just blast them, or we could say, "Hi, how are you? I'd like a little help." Here's the situation I encountered. Is there something we can do to correct this? You engage the person to work with you, to like you, to want to help you. That's the way to get something done. But if you just get and blast, they could easily hang up on you. Absolutely. And I think that happens to a lot of people. I think for me, I start off the same way. And it's like we we progress accordingly, and I you know you only you only want to hit a certain roof. You don't want to go any higher than a, a certain level with anybody because at the end of the day, that's not their fault. They didn't create that problem with your product. They are just simply the middlemen in most cases, right? So I always right. I always like to tell people, listen, this is not personal towards you. I understand you're just the middle guy, and please, I hope I'm not offending you. Please understand this is my point of view, and this is how I'm coming across just because I've become frustrated. And I find when I say that to people, it de-escalates the situation and we can actually move forward. In nine out of 10 times, we get the problem solved that everybody's happy with, or at least I am. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, no, I agree. It's exactly the way to do it. You, you, you don't blame or 
uh, bludgeon the poor little customer service person who's there to help. I mean, that is what they are there for, theoretically. And imagine those phone calls all day long where everybody's calling you everything but your own name. Eventually, you're going to be polarized, as I keep saying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, as a matter of fact, I bet they would welcome the refreshing, positive, upbeat voice saying, I just need a little help. Let me tell you what happened. Maybe you can help me. Let's see. I mean, who doesn't want to help? If you're in a customer service position, you're there because you would like to help people. Don't you think, John? I would would certainly hope so. Otherwise, this is going to be a very frustrating job until you find another one. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to bring us back here. And th- what you said there for number five was a great point. And, you know, it, it does have its own language. And I can appreciate this grocery list even more as we go along here, Judith. So number six, number six, you have, what does amical communication sound like? So let's hear what this amical communication, because I believe this is how we even uh, met through LinkedIn was based off of this part of your communication right here. Right, 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 right. You you thought it was an oxymoron <laughs> have an amicable divorce and I completely understand it. I think and my I th- uh, my words were I think when you say amical in marriage in the same sentence or amical divorce in the same sentence, it's like a unicorn running around with dinosaurs and lush forest. I think you did use the word unicorn, the analogy. <laughs> I believe you did do that. And I'm like, first of all, I thought that was very funny. Um, and then that's when I just said, hey, why don't we talk about this? And, you know, this is interesting discussion. Okay, so amicable divorce is really not an oxymoron. It just doesn't happen as frequently as we would like it to happen. <laughs> so amicable does not mean you agree on everything. Amicable means you want to negotiate and talk it through. That's all it means. And so when I field calls from potential new clients and I explain I can only work with amicable divorces as a, um, as a legal person filing for you because I'm not an attorney, I don't represent people, I don't go to court, I'm there to file in a neutral position. And I need people to be able to talk to each other because unlike attorneys who are there to talk for their clients, I cannot talk for one spouse to another. That's why I need people to be able to talk. And so I say, so I need you to be able to talk to one another. Okay, we can, we can. All right, fine. And the second part of that that I will see once we get to mediation is, are you still blaming each other? If you're still blaming each other, you're going to come across angry and mad. And we're going to take more time to mediate than we might need to uh, if you had done a little bit of forgiving and accepting and, okay, just like, let's work it out. It's all business. You know, let's just divide the money, this, that, and the other thing. Okay. But within the communication, I have to change their language. Within this amicable divorce concept, I have to change their language. So I'm going to say something that every single person listening to this podcast and you will have heard. She said she's not coming after my pension. Coming after. That's not amicable. That's aggressive. Coming after means someone's 
chasing you, someone's on the offensive somehow, and you're on the defensive. Uh Uh-uh. I say, we're working in a world of community property law. The discussion is either to divide something or not to divide it. But there's no high-speed chase here. No one's coming after anybody. Uh, we're here to discuss the division of community property. And, and so there's all, they say, she's not coming after me for alimony. Again, there's no coming after. It's a discussion based on need. And that's what we're going to have. So just changing the words they use, start reprogramming their brains to think and speak differently. So most of the people in media, when we get to mediation, most of them are okay. You know, there'll be a little bit of feather ruffling, but most of them who come to me are okay. But, you know, there are people along the way, and unfortunately, the last three couples have have been rather angry at each other. And it's taken a little while, and Sometimes I have to separate them and put them in different rooms, you know, and only because I want to get some work done. Do you find that for you, it's like you're almost doing a therapy se- uh, therapy session instead of getting to the task at hand to hopefully alleviate the issue and get business handled? What happens, John, I mean, this is an excellent question. What happens is that if people have unresolved anger or They've resolved it for the most part, but they have trigger points. Maybe there's a topic, a subject that's really sensitive for them, and they will get easily triggered. That's when I have to say, let's just take a breath. This is obviously still a little upsetting to you. If you need to take a minute and walk around the office suite down the hall, go ahead and do that. Because the best way to have this conversation is calmly, thoughtfully, and really speak from the heart. Really talk about why you're asking for this concession, this asset, this whatever. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how I have to monitor it or anybody has to monitor it when they get into mediation. Those people don't know. You know, you're asking people to negotiate. First of all, on a good day at your office, it's hard to negotiate. For, for a raise, right? People are, are always fearful. Um, and, and so that's tough for them. But you're asking people who are in the biggest decision-making phase of their lives. It's personal and it's financial. If it's the first divorce, it's fearful. And so you're asking these people who are coming to you in earnest to do a business, talk like business people to each other. And you got to know their guts are twisted. You you know, maybe they're holding it together the best way they can. And, And so you just really have to be careful and pay attention to them. So therapy, no, except that you have to be very, very sensitive emotionally to them. That's fair. And, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that because obviously, you know, life changes always cause some kind of emotional issues that you like trauma, emotional trauma for sure. My, my biggest question is, and you know, this could be measured many different ways. Success. What is the, the success rate in your opinion with these mediations that you provide for these people? Well, the sex, the su- success rate is in the nineties, 
uh, or they leave and have to hire attorneys and they go to court. Yes. So if they don't leave and hire attorneys to go to court, we are successful. Um, if we can put on paper a representation of the discussion, we have been successful. But I am not upset when they have to hire attorneys. I, I, I literally had a conversation with somebody yesterday that was so unsettling to me. And I knew that there was an emotional issue on the side of this person that I couldn't do anything about. I just can't do anything about I don't think a therapist can do anything about it. And I don't think an attorney could do anything about it. And so I really had to think long and hard, what am I going to do? I don't want to continue being the mediator because I don't stand a chance with this one spouse. I just don't stand a chance. There's nothing I'm going to say or do that's going to get this person to be able to change. I think there's an inability to process information correctly. I just think there is. And I think there's this huge wall of fear. I, I think that's what this person can't get through is a huge wall of fear. So my decision was, if I agree to continue, I want attorneys at the mediation table. Okay. Because they will make sure the law is done, the law is addressed correctly, and I'm no longer on the hot seat for being wrong. But that person decided I wasn't the right mediator and that another mediator should be hired. That person told that person's spouse who said, oh, no, we're staying with Judy because I don't care who we go to. You don't like anybody. There's like a stream of dead bodies. Oh, geez. <laughs> Therapists, other people that couldn't do anything. And I, I, that made a lot of sense just because of the thought processes I was seeing. So I said, look, either attorneys attend the next mediation because I need backup, or you must go to court. This is why court is there. So court should never be threatened, ever, 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 ever be threatened. The courthouse isn't moving. It will be well-staffed with judges and attorneys. And if used properly, it will be the right place to go to to resolve some decision. That's fair. And in this particular case, my thinking was, and I shared with the other spouse today, don't worry if you have to choose going to court. The judge will do what the judge has to do. They go straight law. There's no emotion involved. It's just business. It's just money. And at least these decisions will be made not by you, not by me, but by a judge that can't be argued with. That's fair. So that's how you should use court. That's, uh, you know, for better or worse, that's fair. I mean, or it could be presumed as being fair. Nice reference for better or worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's cheeky <laughs> to say the least. So Good thing. before we close this bad boy off, what is one big piece of advice you'd love to give everybody if they only hear this piece of advice from you? If you are, and I'm going to speak to divorcing people, to married people, potentially divorcing people, because that's the mainstay of what we're talking about. If you need to transition out of the marriage with somebody who you really can't talk to at all, that has a very skewed view of responsibility and participation in a relationship, basically a high conflict personality that may have some mental health challenges. 
bottom line, please don't blame them. Nobody has to be born that way. Do not blame them. You need to work around them. You need to do the best you can with conflict communication. Maybe you need some legal counsel next to you. Maybe you need to use the court. But please don't blame them. Because if you can look at them as somebody struggling, somebody doing the best they can, and unfortunately their best isn't that great, or not, you know, it's not good enough to stay married, just be a little more sensitive to them. You must understand that people are doing the best they can at any given time, and sometimes their best isn't really good. But if you really are dealing with somebody with a personality disorder, a high conflict personality, you have to do the best you can at working around them and with them, but you just can't blame them. It's, it's, it doesn't go anywhere if you blame them because nobody has to be born that way. You know, that that's a very good point. And I can appreciate where you're coming from, especially someone with your expertise and someone that's dealing with this on a day in day out basis. And all I can say is thank you for doing what you're doing because without people like you in this industry, we would be in a lot more trouble, I think. Thank you. Thank you. There's a lot of really good people that w- want to change the um, the face of divorce. There really is. In fact, let me just tell you, there's a um, an attorney out of Georgia, Tracy Moore Grant. Okay. She started the Amicable Divorce Network. So it's a network of people from state to state. She's not in every state yet. She's in California, as well as Georgia and a few other states, of people in family law and in those that are cousins to family law, like therapists, um, real estate people, mortgage people, et cetera, that really are in it for the good of the family and not for money. I mean, obviously, we make earn a living doing it, but, you know, you, you can make a lot of money in family law, especially as an attorney, because people are so emotional. They take a lot of time being emotional, and they're charged for every, every minute that they talk. But my feeling about attorneys in family law after doing this for 12 years is I think attorneys have to take a test to see how their personalities fit family law. If you're not in it, yes. If you're not in it to preserve to preserve the family in its next incarnation, if you're not there with an eye towards the way you represent your client might influence the health and welfare of their children. You know, if you're not in it to get everybody to make good decisions as much as possible, you're really hurting families. And I I just wish attorneys would know that. And I I know there's tough bunnies out there in terms of people getting divorced and tough situations. And, you know, there are criminals. (laughs) Some people are actually criminals. Yep. Um, But most people aren't. Most people are good people. They just, things just didn't work out. And and I think we all have to work towards the um, the benefit of the extended and changed family. Perfect. Where can they find you there, Judith? I want to make sure that anybody and everybody that could possibly use your services has you at, at their beck and call or corner, not beck and call, but in their corner to help them get through this turmoil. Well, unfortunately, I'm not in the same office suite as Eminem. So <laughs> I am in my... <laughs> 
I'm in Los Angeles, so I can mediate anywhere. I just can't file for divorce other than California because those licenses are state-specific. You can go on my website, divorceresourceinc.com, divorceresourceinc.com. You can send me an email through that website. Or Judy, J-U-D-Y, at DivorceResourceInc.com. Excellent. And you're also on LinkedIn for them to find you there, Judith Weigel. I am on LinkedIn. <laughs> yep, Judith Weigel. People used to call me Wiggle. It didn't, <laughs> that didn't upset me at all. I, I considered thought it was kind it. of cute. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody made a cute trick. Judy Wiggles, but she does something walks. I don't know. I forget what they said, but it was funny. It was funny. Um, what were we saying? <laughs> I lost track. I'm just, just making sure I we, just faced up. we know where to find you. Cause I want to make sure that everybody and anybody that could, that needs your services has you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you, John, to talk to your audience. And if anything I said today helped you even a little bit in your situation, we're doing good. We're doing well. Thank you. Absolutely. Folks, a wise person once told me nobody likes to tip. So that's why we go deep. Go deep. Go deep. Go deep. This is Go Deep Productions. Thank you for listening to Go Deep, the podcast, a member of Go Deep Productions, where we give our opinions like we have a clue. You can find us on all forms of social media. If you would like to reach out to the show, email us at GoDeepThePodcast at gmail.com. And remember, always go deep.